Welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is time of day to our listeners because you could be listening any time. The show's premiere in early evening in the middle of the Kansas area, or middle of the United States area in Kansas, that is. But there are people listening all over, which is really cool. So this will be another exciting show where for me, I love it that this is bringing us poetry from a slightly different perspective as the guests today are with a Lawrence, Kansas, as we call it, Lawrence Restate High School um, poetry team called Lawrence Free Poetry. Lawrence Free Poetry, Lawrence Free Poetry. We can say it different ways. I love that part too. Um, so three members of the team and their sponsor are here. They've been doing exciting things. And Lawrence has had a team at this high school for several years. They've done great in competition. Heard some outstanding poems from some of the team members in the past. So this is a chance to learn about what's on their minds and hearts, to hear some of their poetry, some of what being part of this team and writing their poetry means to them. So it's going to be a great hour. And so I want to welcome my guests from Lawrence Free Poetry. Thank you for being here. Thanks Excited for having here. us. You're welcome. And I'm just going to go around the room and say, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Rowan Plinsky. I'm a senior at Free State. Um, I joined the poetry team at Free State the year it began, which was two years ago. And I have been writing with the team ever since. Cool. Uh, I'm Harper Schoenfeld. I'm a sophomore at Free State. Uh, I joined Lawrence Free Poetry my freshman year last year. And I've been writing spoken word and slam poetry since then. Uh, hi, I'm Amelia Peters. I'm also a sophomore and I also joined my freshman year. And um, that's when I started writing poetry and I've been writing since then. Cool. I'm Andrew Martin. I sponsor Lawrence Free Poetry um, since 2014 when we started. Um, I teach English and creative writing at Lawrence Free State High School. So I'm going to ask you, Andrew, so how did, how did you guys get involved? Because I know there were two of you, you and Brandon at the beginning. Mm -hmm. How did you end up being this, this kind of adult guide for the herd of cats that might be high school poets? <laughs> yes, yes, that's so true, yes. So true. Oh, so true. oh yes. Yeah, um, I just kind of fell into it. Um, Brandon had brought the program to Free State from Kansas City, where he knew some people um, that had started the Ladder Than a Bomb Network up in Kansas City and needed some help sponsoring the kids and taking care of um, taking care of the ins and outs and all of the things that you have to do when you sponsor something like this and drive people places and have vans full of students and and things like that. So um, that's kind of how I got involved and then I've just been involved in various capacities ever since. Uh -huh. And in your personal life, are you also a writer? Yeah. 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 All right, um, poetry and flash fiction, uh -huh. uh -huh. so uh, it's great to share ideas with them and hear what they have to say, uh -huh. and it gives me a renewed hope in the, in the next generation coming along that they're going to have the same kinds of uh, large voices that a lot of us have had. Uh -huh. So it's really important. It's really important now, and I don't know the perspective that you all have because obviously I'm a very different generation, but. But right now, there's a huge amount of artists making statements in different kinds of ways, from the most loving to the most confrontational. And one of my favorites is um, one of one of my friends who's a poet and photographer and painter in um, the New York City area. Early on, after the election, um, he sent me these photographs from the subway system in New York City, and poets were posting kind of love messages and then leaving blank post-it notes all over the wall so people could add things, you know. And and there's this national group that, that I'm part of that's called the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture that's about elevating belonging and culture through art. And so there's this network of, of artists connected that way and a lot of them poets and other kinds of artists. And in fact, that group does a poetic state of the union every year. <laughs> 
And there's really a call for artists and, and you start reading like historically that artists have made a really big difference in times of turmoil. And, and I'm one of those people who reminds people written words are another art. It's not like it's only 2D or performance art, you know, that's, that's acting or singing or, you know, it's not, it's not just that, but the word art is really important too. And here we are in this community where Langston Hughes was somebody who spent a considerable part of his time growing up here. And we have a Langston Hughes quote in front of our city hall. So good things going on here. We have poets laureate who live in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, three of our of our recent ones, um, stuff like that. So this is a great community to be in, and and I want to hear from you guys, from all of you, and and you're welcome to share if you want to a little bit about your other teammates, but a little bit about what it is about poetry that got you to want to do this, you know. Because I think that's that's always an interesting story is how did people land with poetry? And I will say that for me, my connection to poetry in particular came because of my work in suicide prevention, suicide bereavement, um, working with, with people who are experiencing abuse, maybe because of gender identity, things like that. Um, and And suddenly I was finding these poems like on the internet that just spoke to exactly what we were talking about. And then I thought, well, if they're out there in the world, there must be stuff like that going on here. Um, and I connected with a woman named Sarah Glass who performs with the name Misconception. And we, it just like, there's there are these people and it was this person, that person. And I kept having people say that their writing saved their lives. You know, it's like, this is pretty powerful stuff. So you don't have to say that, I'm not competing <laughs> you, but I'm really interested in what about poetry. And since you've been on the team and writing a little bit longer, how, how would you start with that? Um, yeah, poetry, spoken word and slam and any kind of poetry is my best friend. I love poetry with my entire heart. It has definitely saved my life on multiple occasions. Um, I have been writing for as long as I can remember. In middle school, I had Oh, I would write songs. I was going to be a pop star. And I had this pink folder with stickers all over it. I remember like, cutting out a piece of magazine and putting them all over it. And I kept my songs in it. And looking back at it now, they were horrible. They were <laughs> awful. They were just awful, awful songs. But they were the early stages of my poetry career. And I would carry them with me everywhere. And I wouldn't let anyone read them. But it was... Poetry and writing has always been a safety net for me, and um, it's always there. You know, I think I can speak for a lot of my fellow poets when I say that, like, poetry is our best friend. <laughs> like, I love that. It, it it does amazing things for people, and getting into the spoken word and slam poetry world has helped me um, by allowing me to help other people. Um, a lot of the poems that I have written and that I like to write have helped a lot of people. And like my favorite thing in the world is when someone comes up to me and tells me that their poem has impacted them because that is just the most amazing feeling. My first year, uh, louder than a bomb, I read a poem titled 180 and it's about body imagery and, um, it helped a lot of people. And a lot of people came up to me and said that that poem helped them deal with something and that made me fall in love with poetry because people around me fell in love with it at the same time. And yeah. I think in today's world, it's incredibly important, like you said, with the election and stuff that people keep writing and more importantly, people keep talking. Yes. Um, I think poetry is incredibly important and it allows people to deal with things that they need to deal with. And in today's world, that's often hard to do mm -hmm. because we're very scared. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think poetry is fearless. Cool. Very cool. Um, I also have been writing and since Harper. I'm Harper. Since I was very young, I used to write uh, like fiction and bad poems. And that's yep. what everybody always says. Yeah. Somewhere. We gotta yeah. start somewhere. And I just and it's like in every English class, you know, you spend a few weeks on poetry and everyone's like, ugh, like I don't want to do this. But I was always kind of the one that was like, okay, I can get into this. This is cool. Uh -huh. So in sixth grade, I wrote some probably really bad poetry that like my 
teacher at the time that I was really close with. She like praised it and loved it. And I'm afraid to look back because I'll realize it was bad. (laughs) But then, so I just kind of kept writing for myself, not sharing with anyone. And then in eighth grade, Rowan already spoiled this, but I heard Rowan Flinsky doing 180. Ah. And I was like, that's the kind of poetry I want to do. That's so cool. Because it like, it really got to me. It hit me in like a personal place. And I was like, that girl's really cool. I want to be that girl. And then I heard some more from uh, our teammate, Lauren. And I was like, okay, so this spans over like everything that I'm having issues with, like mental health, like body issues, social issues, gender, race, sexuality. Like this is a place where I can kind of solve my own problems by talking about them Mm -hmm. and getting other people to say that they have those problems too. And when I write poems trying to fix things, I'm doing it as if I'm doing it for someone else. But then I reflect on that and I'm like, this is really for myself. This is going to fix me. So slam poetry is also my best friend. (laughs) It's always there. Um, A similar thing happened to me actually with um, one of our retired. Yeah, I'm Amelia. With um, one of our, I guess, retired poets, Grace. Um, She was part of the poetry team since the beginning and she went off to college last year but I just remember my first year as a freshman going in and listening to her read some of the things that she read and you know she'd always say well this is not really this is nothing like this I just wrote this I just wrote this last hour and then she would read it and it would be amazing and I just like remember being able to connect to her a lot because I think we struggled with some of the same things and I just was going through a really hard time so like having a place to go after school on what was it like Thursdays or something and just being able to go and sit in a room, even if we didn't write poetry, just like sitting there, it was very safe and comfortable. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So there's a real sense of belonging and people getting who you are and accepting you. And then also realizing just as you experienced from somebody else's poetry, that your poetry can help other people too. It's very cool. And see, to me, I'd listen to that and go, that's what life's about, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yes. it's about connecting with people and mm-hmm. knowing that we all belong, creating safe spaces, which is what the poetry room sounds like has been for a lot of people. Yeah. So tell me a little bit, and, and you may need to chime in some, in terms of over the, the years that there has been this poetry team, has have there been things about the members that have been surprising or you know were people pretty homogenous or you know what what would you say about some you know, I think ways? one of the things that a lot of the kids talk about after they've been in a year two years um, is that they've met each other come from completely different social backgrounds perhaps mm-hmm. um, that maybe they would have never interacted if they had never come to to poetry at all, mm-hmm. um, so they wouldn't be friends now. They'd be stuck in in choir, or orchestra, mm-hmm. or those kinds of groups, perhaps, and never come together mm-hmm. and been able to share those voices. And I think that's the greatest thing. Yeah. Um, and in our team that we have is people coming from so many different experiences, and, mm-hmm. and and then being able to hold the conversation through their poetry and just in general. And talk about well, I, I feel this way too, and I see these things too, yeah. and, and these things affect everyone, and yeah. so it becomes a real community there. Yeah, it's also great that they can interact um, through their poetry with people in three minutes or less. You know, we're such an instant gratification. <laughs> people can hear one of their poems, see it on YouTube, or or, or come to a, a coffee house jam in the library and hear that stuff. And connect with that uh-huh. in a very short amount of time uh-huh. and there's a lot of weight behind it too yeah and it's to me it's really interesting because it gives us that reminder that you don't know anything about somebody by looking at them you know you don't know anything about people's experiences and and i can think about other examples where i've been in a room with people doing something together and i remember somebody looking around the room going i would never have guessed that you all would become oh, yeah. the closest friends, you know, oh, yeah. because we didn't know until we start talking and sharing and doing stuff together. 
And I think that's a liberating thing too when we get that reminder and, and know that people accept all those different parts of us that we've been able to share. And that happens a lot, yeah. Well, and I think poetry, like especially for our poetry team, it's definitely allowed us to come together. Like I know I would have never like met you guys yeah. outside of I wouldn't poetry. Have any like friends. without Never. being too self deprecating, <laughs> I wouldn't have any friends. Yeah. Wow. These are my people. But yeah, but really, like these these are my people, and I think it. Uh, I know, f- for me especially, it's made me more empathetic and more worldly. I think I have learned so much about people and the world around me by listening to mm-hmm. these just like crazy poets around me all the time mm-hmm. um there i i know personally i've learned that like we all have our things and i i know that that doesn't necessarily make sense but it i i think people tend to think that we're alone in the world and i think especially in our poetry club and through poetry anywhere people realize they're like oh i'm not the only one in pain and everybody has their as their struggles. And I think in Poetry Club, the fact that we know that about each other, I think brings us a lot closer. And I think everybody should know that all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because everybody, no matter what they look like on the outside, everybody has hard stuff. Right. They either are going things. through currently or they have gone through that they're carrying around with them, you know, and, and often people's appearances and maybe roles, if you want to call them. <laughs> I think about one uh, friend who's a poet and does other kind of writing and photography and she said she was doing a reading and somebody called her out for it like you can't possibly know you're this privileged blah 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 because she's a white woman it's like um <laughs> you don't know anything about my life you know <laughs> you know and it's important for us to to realize that there can be things going on for anybody mm-hmm. and, and listening is a way that we get understanding and build empathy which is really cool I want to put you on the spot and say, since since your 180 poem has been mentioned already a few times, would you be willing to perform that? Um, I could. I would have to do a little preface and talk about it for a second because it's. Uh, would you like me to? I find would, it? And, and, okay. and I want everybody to do some, but that because that poem has come up, mm. if you're willing, that would be great. I'm not yeah. okay. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> for me to read 180. I okay. Completely ready for it. Let oh, me. Okay. Let me preface this. I have to pull it up on my phone, so let me um, find it. But I have um, this poem is very near and dear to me, and it's very difficult to read. And if we're, like, sharing, I'm an open book, and so I'm totally willing to talk about these things that have happened with me. But this is a poem about um, body image that I wrote to uh, apply to other people. I wrote this poem to help other people, and then I think it helped me. Mm -hmm. along the way um learn a lot about myself um the poem is titled 180 because at the time it was written i was 180 pounds and i have recently lost weight and i'm not still 180 pounds and lots of things in my life have changed Mm -hmm. um and so that's why like the reason these two have reacted so (laughs) extremely is because i haven't read this poem in years um just because it's something that is hard for me to read but recently i think i've been coming to terms with it and i think other people need to hear it, even if it's not for me. So, um, oh my, I haven't read this poem in so long. Okay, 180. I grew up puffy, fluffy, stuffy, chubby. They said, look at baby and her round pink stomach. She was so sweet. And fat babies are the cutest after all with rosy apple cheeks and sausage legs. Mama always said she could just eat me up, but the sweetness wears off when you hit school. You find bitter boys and green bean girls. The taste buds of children are not unbiased. Little boys like little girls with big eyes and not big stomachs. I wore sweatpants for years because I was afraid of denim and brown. They dug and scratched into the underside of my sweet bun tummy and I was too little to understand. Too young to grasp the concept of sharp and round, of straight lines and curves, of fat and skinny. Oh God, I was so young. And I was already confused by bitter boys and green bean girls. When I was younger, I spent years waiting until the day that I grew boobs. You see, when I looked down, I couldn't quite spot my knees because my pumpkin stomach was in the way. And I figured if I had something sticking out up here, then you wouldn't notice this sticking out down here. So I would hold on to what I didn't have. And eventually it grew into something I had too much of. 
and now bitter boys like green bean girls with sharp edges and slender thighs flat as a board and yes she is incredibly beautiful but tell me why why aren't my rounded edges beautiful to you i got a little older and outside forces would try and change me stop eating they said it helps you they said you can make yourself throw up they said but i guess i wasn't born in a body to destroy it so every time I tried to skip a meal, I couldn't make myself. And every time I tried to shove my fingers down my throat and ruin my supper, I stopped. I heard that erodes more than just your teeth. I couldn't ruin my own body. Mama taught me better than that. You see, Mama never wore much clothes around the house. So I learned that a woman is beautiful and natural no matter what her pant size, because in the end, no one is looking at the size on the back of your tag. They're looking at the way your clothing hits you in all the right spots. They are looking at the way the color matches your eyes. They are looking at the way you look goddamn perfect and you are not a number on a hanger. I am five foot three inches, 16 years of age. I am 180 pounds. You know, if you heat a pot of water to 180 degrees, the pot will boil over and the steam will float away. If you turned the clock back 180 years, the U.S. national debt would be zero for the first and only time, and Charles Darwin would be roaming the world trying to figure out who we were. Now I know what you're thinking. 180 is a big number, but I am a big girl, and in case you weren't aware, muscle weighs more than fat, so I am 180 pounds of strength. 180 pounds of brilliant, electric, alluring, passionate. I am 180 pounds of everything I could ever want to be. So, Mama, you will have to excuse my French. But, ladies, don't you ever let the bitter boys stop you. Whether your edges are sharp or rounded, your lines are straight or curved, whether your tummy is a sweet bun or a green bean, love yourself. Because that is 180 pounds of reality. Thank you. Sixteen years old. Sorry, I wrote that poem when I was sixteen, and yeah. since it is kind of set in the past, I thought I should just 16, leave it where it was. So, yeah, that poem is difficult for everyone because whew, yeah. I'm just having having flashbacks over here. <laughs> really, I'm that seeing myself right very, here. Very uh -huh. poem. And that poem is actually about me. <laughs> And so how, well, and, what would you like to say about that? Yeah. I just, that, um, I first heard that in eighth grade and I've, I've also always been a chubby child, uh -huh. but then I hit, uh, freshman year and I gained a lot of weight just from stress and mm -hmm. stress eating and didn't want to do anything, depression issues. And, uh, this is something that Rowan and I have talked about a lot. This poem and just this concept in general. Accidentally summon me. Oh, <laughs> and thank you, Siri. Yeah. <laughs> Ruining the moment. And, um, <laughs> so I also haven't heard that poem in months. And then um, just a few months ago, I stepped on the scale, which is always like my least favorite thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And I saw that I weighed 180 pounds, and I like wanted to cry. And then I thought of that poem, and I texted Rowan, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god." I weigh 180 pounds and hearing that again, she says, I'm 16 years old, five foot three, 180 pounds. Uh -huh. And that's exactly what uh -huh. I am right here and right now. Uh -huh. And so that, that poem has given me strength to write a lot of other poems for myself. And I, Rowan is one of the first people that I've like connected with about things like that. Uh -huh. It's, it's something that is, hard to talk about. And it's something that, well, I think it's something that you hear a lot. You see a lot of quotes and a lot of TV shows and songs about loving yourself and loving your body, but it's something that it, it's harder to do than it sounds, right. you know, and especially if you're struggling with other things in your life, like that becomes less of a priority and that just doesn't help. And I think it, no matter what, I think everybody everywhere needs to understand that they are beautiful. And even if that's just, I I know that like that sounds kind of shallow. And Harper and I have been working on a poem very recently where we've talked about um, this topic and this poem a lot. And uh, it, it it doesn't even necessarily need, like it may be very shallow. It may be very materialistic and you may be smart and kind and everything. And that is important for you to have. But at the end of the day, we also all want to know that we're beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that poem helped me. 
like it's it's a happy poem and it ends very well and that helped me deal with that at the time and like Harper said I think it helped other people deal with it and it it made me feel better seeing that it made other people feel better mm -hmm. and I think that's that's what poetry is about mm -hmm. for me it brought back a lot of memories um but the most vivid is when you read it at the gym theater yeah and cried on stage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I lost it. I lo oh, I lost it. It was bad. I go, I grew up puffy. <laughs> and I lost it. Uh -huh. It was fine. We made it we made it we through. Made it through. Uh -huh. And the whole gym theater, the entire gym theater was packed. Yeah, it was so full. Uh -huh. And it's just dead quiet and her <laughs> voice. And she finished it and it just erupted into this celebration. And just love yourself. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's so that, yeah. it's a lot Thank of, it's, it's a very, it's a poem that I think I hold very near and dear to my heart, uh -huh. whether sometimes I hate it and sometimes <laughs> I love it. And that poem and I go through a lot of fights. <laughs> um, even, even if she is my best friend, we still have our scuffles. <laughs> um, yeah. That was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. Uh -huh. Are either of you ready to share a poem of yours? We can do a little too. Okay. Um, you, do we want to pull it up? All right, we'll pull it up. And do you want to talk about it for a little bit? I just talked a lot. Um, we. This is a poem that Rowan and I wrote for finals this or for Louder Than a Bomb this year. Um, I started it as a solo, and then it turned into being a duo. Um, it got a lot of, we got, I think it was our highest scoring poem, so people really, um, really liked it. There was a lot of choreography that, that goes with it that I think makes it kind of stand out among the poems. Um, it's called Grilled Cheese <laughs> for... Grill? Grilled Grilled cheese. cheese, yeah, like, like the, the food. sandwich. Like, yeah. probably for no yeah. reason, but... That's fine. We just need to use for a poem. We, I think in Lawrence Reboach, we pride ourselves on our creative poem titles. <laughs> I really, I really do. I think that's Insert Woody Titles. Insert Woody Titles. Titles are a weird thing. I have a friend, a dear friend who's a poet and publisher, and he was talking about somebody he submitted some poetry to, and they said, none of your poems have titles. Okay. And he said, well, then just call the first line the title. Right, yeah. Like, you just call the first line, yeah. <laughs> just pull out a fun word that's in there. Exactly. That's my favorite part is I just pull out my favorite word in the poem. That's definitely what we did here. Oh, geez. We definitely did that. Um, so this poem is, um, like she said, she wrote it as a solo, but we read it and perform it as a duet uh, because it's something that we both relate to a lot. Um, and it is very performance oriented. So reading it over the radio, I don't know if we, we, we'll try our best. I don't know <laughs> if we will get the full scale of the poem. Um, Cause it is, it is very, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of times in slam poetry, when you have more than one poet on stage, it, the performance aspect goes up a lot. Uh -huh. um, and so there is a lot of choreography and that's something that we do a lot in Lawrence Free Poetry. We choreograph a lot just cause some of us come from acting. I know I come from an acting background and so, Blocking is my favorite thing in the world. Uh, yeah. um, other than poetry. <laughs> okay, are we good? Yeah. I met a boy last night. A boy night. from Tinder. He was really sweet. He drove a sports car. He kissed me. I'm really gay. Why am I kissing boys? He was so nice. I don't like boys. I started losing weight again. Everyone is telling me to stop. It just feels so good to be getting skinny. I just want to eat grilled cheese all the time. I could live off of grilled, grilled cheese, cheese and cigarettes. I need to stop smoking. It's relaxing. It's gross. It reminds me of girls and, and my father. I'm turning into my father. He yelled at me for the first time in November. October. October was when my mother kicked me out. She didn't kick me out. She kicked me out. She sent me away. The hospital. It's good for me. I have white wall nightmares. Every night. They said I had. They said I had. They, they said, said I had, had a personality disorder. They said there's two of me. So they are bumping elbows in my head. My head. My head hurts. My friends hurt. Zoe, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yell. Mom, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw that. Oh my God, I'm so I sorry. I to. did that. You see, people are placed in categories to the extreme, and then it progresses farther than it should. It's called hyper mood swing. Bipolar. Tripolar. Quadruple bypass ain't saving me. Fuck your rules. 
I'm a goddamn disaster, manic, impressive. Your diagnosis is depressive. But you're right. I made a safety plan. And I Lied. got a break from all those goddamn sweaters. Wore them every day when I was in there. Wore them every day when I got out. I, I had, had three C's. C's. I hate myself. I know it's only because I missed a week of school, but... I hate you. I don't really care about school anymore. Give I, up. I'm moving out. You're being irrational. Once I get a job and start working... The cheapest place you found was $495 a month, plus bus fares and groceries. I'm being romantic. Sometimes... I think about how much I just want to drop out of school. Run away. Shave my head. Get a shitty tattoo. Run. Run. Go. Go. Sometimes I think about how much I just want to leave. But then I think about how much I would miss cigarettes. And Christmas. Usually I decide that killing myself just isn't Isn't worth it. I'm back on my medication. Soloft, Prozac, Clonopin, Xanax. I don't feel sad. I don't feel anything. I'm doing everything my therapist tells me to do. I see her every goddamn week. I'm supposed to be recovering, only I'm, I'm not, not myself, myself anymore. anymore. But were you ever? Thank you. Wow. I want us to talk about that, but I want us to take a little break and kind of get to think and hear from a couple of the sponsors from of mornship.com and then really come back and and hear a little bit more about that poem Mm -hmm. which i'm understanding that you amelia are the one who started writing this you and rowan performed together because that's powerful so we will be right back and before we take that break i want to say thanks to daniel smith who is the producer of the show and we'll be back with more from lawrence free poetry with lawrence free state high school Welcome back. This is a wonderful conversation and poetry with three of the team members, Rowan and Harper and Amelia, and the sponsor, Andrew, from Lawrence Free State High School's performing team, Slam Poets, called Lawrence Free Poetry. And just because I want to make sure we mention it, I want you to tell us, somebody to tell us, maybe um, Harper about the competition stuff and fundraising. And then we're going to come back to this powerful poem we just heard. All right. So um, Louder Than a Bomb is a nationwide competition where we compete in the Kansas City um, region. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, And so it starts off with preliminary rounds. And there are four rounds in about So it's preliminary bout, actually, words. And um, it used to be that you would bring three solos and a group piece, which could have up to four things, four solos and a group piece, because there used to be five rounds in a bout, but now there are four. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so um, they changed the rules this year to where you can have up to four poets on stage at any time within the four rounds. And so we took... Um, a duet, two trios, and a solo. And um, so at prelims, we got second place by, what, three-tenths of a point? Yeah, very, Mm -hmm. very small. And so if you get first or second at uh, prelims, you move on to semifinals, which this year we're at the Gym Theater. And um, once again, if you get first or second, you... um, move on to the next round and so i believe we got second Mm -hmm. at prelims and then we went to finals and um while we were there there were some amazing poets and we got fourth place which meant out of six six or seven six six teams fourth place out of six teams and um so usually only the first place team from there gets two um, go to Brave New Voices, which is like the basically end game. And, um, <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> but after finals, we found out that our sponsor had um, submit- submitted an application for us to go to Brave New Voices regardless. And we had been accepted. Cool. So we've just been fundraising for that. We have to... Um, our housing is 
provided and I think two meals, two meals a day. Yeah. But the rest is all on us, and so. Uh, and the location means transportation, obviously. Where, where is uh, it? San, San Francisco. Francisco. Uh huh. And so we've just been raising money to not only get there, but to cover expenses while we're there. Sure. Mm-hmm. And when um, when is this? July. We leave July nineteenth. We will leave the eighteenth. So the competition is, is 19th, 19th through the 22nd. Through the 22nd. The 23rd, 22nd. And then the 23rd we'll come back is the, like, check-out date. Okay. Yeah, we've been doing um, a lot of fundraising. Um, we have a GoFundMe set up. Um, and we've been, oh, my God, just fundraising like crazy. <laughs> we had a fundraiser night at Zaxby's twice because the first uh, try failed. Um, <laughs> there, there was like a miscommunication. There's, a lot, there's lots of trial and error. In yeah, that process. happens. No, there, there's, there's a lot of trial yeah. and error in poetry. In life, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we've been selling chocolate bars and we're selling 30 like, cases of chocolate. <laughs> have we really? Oh, that's good. There are 60 chocolate bars in a case. So a lot of people are eating chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Free State is going to get you. You're like welcome, Lawrence. Yeah, you're welcome, Lawrence. <laughs> um, we're selling all kinds of things. We're doing a lot of, we have actually had a lot of amazing opportunities. People have been approaching us and have wanted to host parties where we can come and read. So we've had this, yeah, like an old teacher at Free State had us come over and she had her friends over and we read for her friends and they gave us donations and we have at least two more opportunities to do that same thing again, which Mm -hmm. is awesome because that's the fun kind of fundraising. Yeah. Yeah. Versus cleaning grandma's house. Yes. Which is also something we're doing, but Uh it's fine. So fundraising going on to send you all to, how many people will get to go? Um, We're taking five people. Okay. Um, you can take up to six people in a team, but we only have five people mm-hmm. that, that can go. go yeah. Um, so yeah, and we're probably gonna just take the poems that we that we chose that we took to um, louder than a bomb because those mm-hmm. went over really well. We're gonna obviously do lots of editing and practicing, mm-hmm. but it's very cool. It's a great opportunity. We're super excited. Really yeah. Yes. 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 So with the information about the show, we'll post the link to the GoFundMe. Sweet. And some of the easy ways to find that might be what? You have the, social media pages that how about are posted. List one of your social media pages that people could find it. What do you think? We have a Twitter, okay. and it is L Free Poetry. poetry. Yes. <laughs> so the, the letter L, the word free, and mm-hmm. then poetry. Yes. Uh, on Twitter would be a way to find that mm-hmm. GoFundMe link. Cool. Because you want people to think about that, to support that, to encourage that, yes. you know, that that's an important thing. One of the things I'm always saying when I'm talking to writers and doing these shows is that we need to support local art. You know, we yes. need to do that. We need to buy the books, you know, yes. do those things. Mm-hmm. And so for those who can, this would be a chance to support bringing Lawrence Youth Poets to San Francisco for this national competition. be a really great thing. It's a good thing for Lawrence. It's a good thing for those who go. It's a good thing for those in the audience. You know, and I'm thinking, man, I know. Poetry is a win-win. I'm going to try to get you guys to meet somebody in San Francisco when you're out there. Yeah, a woman who's a writer who's amazing and does a lot of performance art. Maybe there'd be a little something you guys could do with Serena Zabriskie. Very cool. Very cool. Anyway, so I wanted that to make sure that gets out. And I want to get back to that powerful poem. So, excuse me, so... Amelia, since you you were the one who started this poem, even though you you two mm-hmm. combined for it, tell us a little bit about that. What what would you like to tell about it? Um, so the poem is about a personality disorder called borderline personality disorder, and just a little bit about that is, oftentimes people with personality disorders have um, very black and white thinking, where things are very extreme. Um, so oftentimes they're perfectionists and they struggle with other mental health issues. And I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder about a year ago now. Well, a whole year ago. Um, and at the time I didn't really understand what it was. So I kind of avoided trying to understand it. But um, as the school year came back around and I was um, struggling, I started to kind of accept it and understand that I need to you know, learn more about it so that I can be as effective as possible. So I wrote that poem, kind of, um, and then I realized that it would probably be better performed as a duo. 
so that people can really understand and see visually that like, you know, you sometimes feel like two different people and like you're fighting with yourself constantly um, over, you know, anything that you do, any, any even small decision that you make, there's always like an internal argument mm -hmm. about that. And Rowan um, has some experience with that, I think. And so she offered to help me perform that mm -hmm. and people we, we were worried that it wouldn't really go over well that people wouldn't understand it but they the crowds were really perceptive and we had mm -hmm. lots of people come up to us and tell us you know that they understand it completely and so that was you know our execution of that was really well done I think yeah that poem has been very uh, powerful for me it's helped me through things and help me grow closer to Mia, my, my buddy. Um, and is that how you're um, Mia? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have a bipolar disorder, which looks very similar in certain ways to um, the, the poem. So I may not have a personality disorder, but I relate to that poem in a lot of different ways. And um, even though it is closer to Amelia's story, it is... Um, but I definitely relate to it. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, again, people have been very receptive of it and talked to us about it. And I think, you know, the poems that people talk to are about it, they're really good ones. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it, I think was painful to write and work on at certain points because it was difficult. And that yeah. poem has been, there is a large evolution of that poem. Oh, yeah. It has 100%. been, it is yeah. very, very different. And um, there has been a lot of, I wish you guys could see the performance of it because uh -huh. I think like um, it is so much, it is very, very powerful when you see it. Um, and, and that was kind of my part of it. Me who wrote it, but I um, did a lot of the blocking and um, do you guys have a YouTube app? We have, yeah. there are several videos of it. There's yeah. one on our Twitter page. Okay. So I'll look for the link and I can share that. Um, yeah. 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 There is one Definitely. on YouTube. Um, it's a great thing that the whole, this, there's a huge movement about having people share their personal experiences with mental health challenges, with suicide attempts, lots of things, and, and how much that's discouraged, how much stigma there is about mental health stuff. So being on the stage and speaking those words out loud, I mean, the reality is so many people personally or people close to them are affected by some kind of mental health challenge. There was a, there was a little saying, I think it was, Rita Mae Brown or somebody said, you know, one in four people are affected. So look at three of your friends. If it's not them, it's you. <laughs> and we and we need to be able to talk and learn and know that those labels don't don't define us. As a mental health therapist, I also say that sometimes those labels might have seemed right at the time that they were assigned, but they may not always mm -hmm. really be. And it's more I'm I'm more oriented towards how are you feeling, how are you thinking, what are you doing, you know and that we can always grow and change and learn and do things better. And so by somebody being able to be on stage and claiming this, somebody else goes, oh man, I'm not a weirdo, because look at that brave person, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and we hear it all the times where, you know, somebody thanks the poet for speaking those words that they haven't been able to, to speak. And it makes a huge difference. And, and although you identify the diagnosis, and I thought, wow, uh, my friend Jen Harris, who's a poet, poet in Kansas City, um, they recently had a show that was all about borderline. That the whole oh, really? that was the theme of the whole night of poetry. Yeah. Oh wow! Whoa. Yeah. That's because cool. that's one of those labels that unfortunately has a lot of disparaging connotation to it. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, and so that's that's one of those things, and and tends to be given more. To females than males, mm -hmm. just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, that that's a very wonderful thing to share, and because it touches a lot of people, it takes a lot of courage. Yeah. And Harper, you know, I'm gonna put you on the spot because you have to have the opportunity to share some of your words too. Um. Okay. Would you like it to be a solo? Because I have one of those. Yeah, you can do warning signs. All right. I'm sure we have time. You could do warning signs, and then we could do the trio, or and then you could. Do we should do. Let's do warning signs, and we'll think on it. All right. So, um, I would just like to preface this by saying, if you're very sensitive to uh, 
very blunt um, mentions of eating disorders. Just maybe don't listen to this. Okay. Um, but this is called Warning Signs, and I kind of wrote it because Rowan inspired me. Are you going to stop blaming me for your poetry? I'm always blaming <laughs> Rowan for my poetry. <laughs> All right. I do not look like the warning signs. If you type bulimic into Wikipedia, you wouldn't find girls like me. My hands aren't covered in scars or bruises. I use salt water and I always bite my nails too short to be brittle. I think maybe they will be enough to fill my stomach. My hair has always fallen out excessively and I've always had a trimmer. My ribs aren't protruding, ripping through my skin, but I wish they were. Maybe if they were, you would see that I have stuck my fingers so far down my throat, I scratched a message into my lungs begging someone to stop me. I don't look like the warning signs. I'm not skinny. I used to tell myself I'm not skinny yet, but it's been years of shaking hands, vomit, breath, mint, spearmint gum has started to taste like stomach bile and guilt and regret. It's been years, but I'm not skinny, and no one wants to stop a fat girl with an eating disorder. Because I look like a before picture, before she gets sick, before she goes to the hospital, before she's been bulimic long enough. Because a fat girl with an eating disorder is just on a special kind of diet. Who cares what it's doing to her mind as long as it's slimming her waist? My diet just looks different than yours. Fat girls don't get eating disorders. They get skinny and then they're a success story. Give her long enough and she will lose the weight. She will not lose the weight. I am not losing the weight. I'm losing teeth. I'm losing control. I'm losing hair. I'm losing at this game because my eating disorder is not making me skinny. My eating disorder is not eating weight. My extra plumpness, it's eating weight, the enamel on my teeth, and this bitch is hungry. Maybe this bitch was meant to be hungry. Maybe I was meant to be here hunched over a too-low toilet in a too-small bathroom in Liberty Hall, putting my two big fingers down my too tight throat. Everything is too much. And eating too much, I am too much. I do look like the warning signs. I go to the bathroom after I eat every time I drink water to get the smell off my tongue. I come back from the bathroom with watery eyes and shallow breaths. I look like the warning signs, just no one wants to see them because no one wants to stop a fat girl with an eating disorder. That's very brave to share, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Rowan Filinski loves that poem. <laughs> it's one of those things that I've, it's a poem that I've looked for for someone else to write uh -huh. for me uh -huh. for a long time. And then I was like, I guess I just have to write it. You just gotta yeah. do it. Sometimes and, you have to be the first one. Yeah. And Rowan has definitely encouraged me with that poem a lot. It It is really hard to read. And that was my first time reading it. And months <laughs> because yeah that's a that's a tough poem for me and it took a long time to write it's absolutely not done yet mm -hmm. but yeah it's a very important message it's not talked about it is too much. a very important message and when i say it's very brave part of what i think about is in high school i think from you know what i hear from people that i talk to who are at that age and even thinking about my own experiences that's a time when there's so much judgment and so much pressure and so to be able to speak your truth about something at that age and publicly to me is a lot different than if you were in your 20s or 30s you know and you're looked at differently you, you have more control of your life in the sense of when you're school you're you know you've got eight hours you're at school you're around these people you can't not be with them i remember a friend who grew up in lawrence saying and and lawrence is small enough that you go to school with people and you hated them in kindergarten and they hated you and you're in mm -hmm. high school and they still hate you and it's just yeah. like it sucks you know sometimes yep. although they're wonderful things too but so so to know that you're gonna be seeing people who've heard this mm -hmm. you know whether or not they're particularly ones you would have confided in is a whole different issue Think. And so that's, I think that takes a lot of courage, mm -hmm. which is a great life skill. You know, it's like a great Absolutely. thing to move forward with. Like, I did this, I could do this. <laughs> there are a lot of things I can do. I can do a job interview, it's fine. <laughs> so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really true. And that's another one of the benefits, right, of your performing. 
Right. Is to really put things out there. And, and we need to find out about this, and I will let you know, but um, there has been an annual poetry award that was specifically for a young woman, and I don't remember exactly the top age limit. You know, it might be 19 or something like that. That is a, a poetry award that Jameson Vale started. He's a poet in Kansas City, and it's named, it's the Dory, Ren, Dory Renee Hogan um, Poetry Award. And Dory was a friend of his who died in a car accident in her early 20s, and they were really good friends in high school. And um, he was really inspired by her and her poetry. And so there's an annual award. So I will, I, I need to make a point, Andrew, and let you know whether that comes up again because it, it includes publication of a chapbook and that's you know one of those nice things is to be able to have your words in print. And I would encourage you, you know, and speaking of that, I would, I mean, some of the, the people's chapbooks that start with are literally folded eight and a half by 11 pages, you know? And for example, the Taproom Poetry Series, which is once a month mm -hmm. on Sundays, you know, you can, if you're there early enough to get one of the open mic spots, and there's always a book table and a chapbook can be there. And you know, it's another way to get people to know about what you do and who you are, what's going on, which is really, really cool. I'm thinking that you had another piece. Was there a group piece that you wanted with all three of you? Yeah, we have a trio we could do. Would you like to do wrecked or mm -hmm. still counting? I think we should do still counting. Okay, good. And I'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, find this. Will you find it on my phone too? Um, <laughs> So I know, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's got me. She's got me. Um, so last year at uh, Louder Than a Bomb, we performed a poem titled Counting Up. Um, and it was a poem about gun violence, um, in specifically school. in schools. Yeah. Um, and Conceal and Carry. This summer, KU is legalizing, or no, Kansas in general is right. legalizing Conceal and Carry on campus. And you don't need any training. No, it's, yeah. And so we wrote a poem about how angry that made us. Yeah. Um, and then this is a a sequel, basically, to um, Counting Up. We would love to do that for you, but it, it has four people. Thank you. Um, and so this poem is called... Uh, Still Counting. Yeah. Okay. Are we, we all ready? Uh, yeah, I'll do my intro. This, so this is a little intro that I read, like, on stage at Learn Mom. And this also has all of our poems this year had choreography. This also has a little bit of choreography, too which obviously you can't see. But. Last year, we read a poem counting up all the innocent lives lost each year to gun violence. And last year, we lost 49 more at a shooting in a nightclub in Orlando. So this year, we are still, still counting. counting. One, two, three, four, five people in the bathroom. Six people at the bar. Seven people on the ground. Eight, eight screaming, screaming. Nine bleeding. Ten pleading. I just wanted to get my friends. I just wanted to get help. I just wanted to get out. I, I just, just wanted, wanted to get, get home. Safe. What do you do when people become pools of blood? When you can taste gunpowder like the barrel is on your tongue. And you can't tell what's louder. The screaming or the gunshots or, or the, the hate. hate. I didn't know I would die that night. I didn't know I would die that night. I didn't know my coffin was on the other side of the closet. Gay. He killed me because I was gay. Bisexual. Confused. I'm confused. Why are people still dying because of the capacity at which they love? Whether they identify as a boy or a girl or none of the above, why are people still dying? 11, 12, 13, 14 people crouched under tables, 15 people holding each other's trembling hands, 20 people on the phone with their mothers, 30 quiet, 40 silenced, 50 lifeless for the second time. We are kneeling on this stage for the second time. We are asking for your silence for the second time. We are taking a moment to remember. Amanda Alvear, 25. Louis Danielle Conda, 39. Antonio Devon Brown, 29. Corey James Connell, 21. Brenda Lee Marquez McCool, 49. Martin Benitez Torres, 33. Jean Carlos Mendez Perez, 35. Enrique Rios Jr., 25. Shane Evan Tomlinson, 33. 
Kimberly Morris, 37. The, the list, list goes, goes on. on. And we're still to counting. It, it was Latino, Latino night. It was Latino night when Pulse nightclub felt the heat of hatred because one marginalized group wasn't enough for him. This poem is larger than concealed carry. This poem is larger than gun violence. This poem is about hate. But it should be about love. This poem is about people being told who they can't be. This poem is about people with assault rifles pointed at their throats. Because of who they are. Because, because of, of who, who they, they were. The LGBTQ community was dying long before Pulse Nightclub. The LGBTQ community is still dying today. Their blood is on the hands of our people, our neighbors, our nation. They aren't the only ones. Violence against marginalized groups leaves black men dying in the streets, leaves transgender children knocked onto the tile of their school bathrooms, leaves gay Latinos bleeding on the floor of a nightclub. Hate is still mounting, and we're still fucking counting. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So how did you all come up with that poem? Like how, how who, did somebody say, um, I need to get this started and they wrote it together? Well, somebody mainly write it? The first poem, the, your first year, mm -hmm. uh, Mariah Houston, who's not here, she's mm -hmm. one, another one of our seniors. She wrote that as a solo. And as we got closer to competition season, she was like, wow, we could break this into a, a quartet, mm -hmm. quartet. And we took that and it got so much, everyone loved it. And it really, people were asking us to come read it for them. It was, it was really, uh, the response was amazing. Mm -hmm. And then this year after the shooting in Orlando, um, she started to write another solo. And as we got closer to competition season, she realized this could be split into another piece. And the first year we had Grace Eason um, and then she graduated. So we just had three people this year, which was kind of significant. At the end of the poem, she usually says, um, I don't want to have to write this poem again. So it's kind of like she had to write two of essentially the same, po same yeah. poem because this is such a big problem. Yeah. Um, and so we turned it into a trio and did a lot of editing and took it to competition. And It's powerful. Yeah. I have a very, very vivid memory of um, the day after the Orlando shooting, I was in Spain. So actually my time was like a little off. I was laying in bed, um, getting ready to go to sleep. And I saw like news articles and we have a poetry group message and I saw them talking about it. And I just remember all of us being really heartbroken and I was laying in that bed. And then the next morning I woke up and like went about my day in Madrid and they had hung an American flag and a gay pride flag in solidarity with us. And so that was really strong. And I knew that at least one, if not all of us were going to write a poem about that. And mm -hmm. as the summer went on and not only was there that, there were also, um, of course, more innocent black men dying. And so we, I just, all of us were very angry and we were all trying to write this poem that's very hard to write. And yeah. I'm really glad that that's the one that came came up and came out of that experience. Yeah, amazing. Beautiful, beautiful. So listeners, I think you're all blown away like I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that's such a huge credit to you all that people might think, you know, but they're high school poets. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and imagine yeah. who they're gonna be in a few years. <laughs> As time goes on, what they kind of start. And that's what I experienced a couple of years ago when, when some of your team members, you know, you guys were here. It was like, this is crazy. You guys are so good, so wise and brave and getting these, these words out. Thank you. So we're, we're at that time where we have to wrap up this show. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that people who are listening will go to the Talk, with, Talk to Me page to get some details. Go to Lawrence Free Poetry page. These are both Facebook pages. Go to the Twitter account, L Free Poetry. Donate if you can to the GoFundMe. Consider things like, hey, how about asking for a reading? Um, I'm thinking that 
Andrew Martin, they could find you on the school email directory mm -hmm. and contact you. Uh, if you go to the Lawrence Free State High School homepage and click on staff, you can just find my name there. Um, and my email address is listed. Uh, I'll put that in the section. Martin at usd497.org. And contact me if you'd like to get an event set up yeah. or have our poets come out and read for you. Yeah, because there's time between now and, and mid-July to help support this happening, getting people to San Francisco, not having to eat crackers and peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> that would be ideal. That'd be that would be great. Ideal. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. So I want to thank you all so much for being here and for what you're doing. It's huge and powerful. And congratulations for the success that you all are having as a team in getting into this thank national you. competition. Thank you so much. Very cool. Thank you, listeners, and so long for now.